We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's going to be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello, and welcome to the Telebear Sound Insights TV podcast. This is Kate Kalsik, and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? Uh, I've been worse. Yeah, okay, back to, I feel like back to status quo. That that's uh, that's not a pretty bad much. Thing. I yeah. I was uh, yeah. It's 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 all very very average at the moment. How are you? I am good. I am good. It's been a busy week. Lots of crazy. It feels weird to be you know busy every single night of the week. We'll see if I can actually watch all the shows this week. But uh, but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff going right now. Maybe this was a little mediocre of a week, but there's a lot of good shows. So that's. A good thing, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we got some comments from you guys this week. We heard from uh, Ken, who likes Arrow more than Revolution. Um, and it has come to the, I think, fairly uh, awesome conclusion that Don Draper is the Time Lord. I, I follow your logic there, Ken, and I, I approve. I approve this message. Um, then we also have from Shannon, who gave me some recommendations for Millennium. So if uh, if you listen to this in the next couple days and you have any re- recommendations for what episodes of Millennium we should try to watch, please drop us a line. Amanda was talking about The Amazing Race. She, I guess she's going to vote for Texas. She's going, she's thinking that'll be uh, her, her team now that Amy's out. And uh, JP talking about Walking Dead and spoilers. I know spoilers are a big concern for a lot of people with The Walking Dead, given the uh, the comics, you know, have some of the same plot threads. But uh, we, we, of course, have our separate Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast, which we put out on the Televerse feed. So if you, if you subscribe to us in iTunes, you should already have our, our episode uh, on the the premiere of course that's with Simon and and myself as well as with Ricky D from the regular Simon Say podcast so that's that was a lot of fun about a half an hour of Walking Deady goodness so we're gonna skip the Walking Dead when we get to our weekend TV but uh, lots of good stuff there and then of course at the end of the show we're gonna be talking with Kath Murphy who does our our grim and also Boardwalk Empire reviews for us at Sound on Site TV. And she's also uh, one of the podcasters over at Slutty Lemon. Um, and she came on to help us talk uh, League of Gentlemen, which is this very British uh, sketch show. Not to be confused with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes, these are regular, re- these are ordinary gentlemen. They're not extraordinary. Well, sort of. The characters, at least. But yeah, we uh, it, it's uh, a lot going on on TV this week. Uh, any, any Sound on Site news we should mention up here at the top? Uh, 31 Days of Horror is still going, so we're putting out a new horror movie review basically every day for the entirety of October. I'm doing one a week. I'm doing more or less experimental or Euro art horror every Saturday. And I think this Saturday I'm finally going to watch Inland Empire. I think. That'll either be this week or next week, and I'm... I'm already kind of scared, to be honest. Well, I remember seeing your tweet uh, this week after you watched your your horror movie, and uh, based on your tweet, I never want to see that movie. 
Oh, you never. Uh, yeah, no. I, this this past week, it was Dama Po, a French film about a woman who discovers that she's kind of into self mutilation. So, <laughs> yay! Not for me. Not a Kate yeah. movie. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get into our week in TV because it is a full one. Uh, yes. And let's kick it off with Tuesday and our, our Fox comedy roundup, uh, starting with Ben and Kate, The Fox Hunt. What did you think? You know, I feel like every week I, I always associate Ben and Kate and Mindy Project because they, they are right next to each other on the same network. And so in my head, it's always Ben and Kate versus Mindy Project. And I feel like this was the first week that I, I kind of preferred Mindy Project. Um, Fox, you know, this this one was all right. It was it was a it was the most straightforwardly sitcom-y episode I think we've gotten so far where it's like, here is a premise that, you know, we've that you've seen other shows wear, wear into the ground. And it's it's not grading or anything it's just you know it's very familiar amusing but not uh not like rolling the aisles funny see i i like this one uh, i think i would give this week to ben and kate over mindy project so once again we've reversed uh our pick between the two shows yeah i, I mean i guess it's it, it's I'm an easy mark when it comes to scavenger hunts or games we've already established this right yes and ridiculous lists of rules and complicated histories and you know that's right up my alley i enjoyed this episode i i uh i thought that it finally incorporated the periphery characters you know more consistently i think that you know while i enjoyed lucy punch a lot i think she's hilarious i i feel like she has not been um she her role in the show has felt uh, sort of extraneous and and rather loosely uh, connected to the rest of the characters. And I thought they did a much better job with her this week. And uh, also just of, you know, making this feel like a actual family as opposed to a construct. So I, I like this one more than you did. There you go. And then we had after that uh, new girl neighbors, which uh, lots of hipsters and lots of Schmidt trying way too hard. Yeah. And speaking of trying way too hard, this one just fell way short of the usual new girl mark for me. It just felt like a, a series of long two-year-old easy hipster jokes and not a whole lot else. So I don't know. It kind of just felt like reading a hipster runoff post that from 2009. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, like none of the, the as per usual, the, the Winston subplot at work was boring and not funny. I don't know why they ever deal with him at work. And... The main plot wasn't funny and didn't work for me, so yeah, this wouldn't. I'm I'm gonna treat this as a as an as an aberrant episode and hope they do they they do better. I guess there's they're not airing this week, but uh, next week. Yeah, uh, if I I think I'd like this one more than you did. I think the reason is I always get a kick out of old Nick when when he appears, uh, and maybe that's just because I identify <laughs> with the, the, the part of Nick's character that walks into the hipster apartment and immediately says, I can't do this, and leaves, because he would much mm -hmm. rather be sitting at home alone than dealing with this particular group of people, and it was just going to take too much energy to try to... Right. Yeah, I totally identify with that, so I enjoyed uh, those scenes, and uh, I guess I'm just, again, easy mark, I, I enjoyed the hipster jokes. Uh, so so that that worked for me though I I gotta say that Urkel impression was so incredibly annoying maybe that's just more of my identifying with Nick but wow that was annoying yeah that that felt more like something out of the early run of the show when they were still figuring out how to how, how to, to do jazz. harness the Deschanel correctly 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have a feeling we're not going to get too much more of that. I did also like the character beats towards the end. Uh, I, I, I've been enjoying this whole Jess storyline with her not, you know, not really sure of who she is and uh, getting knocked down by the, by losing this job that she loves. Um, so I, I enjoyed that little beat we get of her towards the end. Yes, it was predictable. Yes, we all knew it was coming, but they did a good job with it. So I, I'm a little more favorable towards that. Uh, but let's talk Mindy Project, which is up next in the club, because while I like this one, I have a feeling you were more, even more positive on it than I was. Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't think I, – I, I think the show's still got a lot of growing to do. And I th- I think the main issue with the show for me is still – the whole romantic comedy angle is by far the least interesting thing about it, and it, unfortunately it's very central because she lives her life as though it's a romantic comedy. And I feel like in the pilot they kind of did some interesting and even vaguely dark things with it. And ever since then it's just been, you know, dude of the week who are never so far very interesting. And, you know, that's kind of it like I, i'm i'm waiting for them to do something interesting with that but but as far as the actual episode goes i thought it was probably the funniest so far and i liked christmas Eno a lot this week and i i think they're doing it they're sort of developing that character in a potentially interesting way um i don't know I, I feel like they're they're doing the character work they need to do i'm just hoping they can work on the actual dynamic of the show a little bit more yeah i do think that the uh this episode gave a bunch of the characters more shading than i expected um, unfortunately, the the bathroom attendant storyline, while I enjoyed it, it, it can't possibly top the the similar thing we got from Andy over on uh, Parks and Rec last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's not their fault, but uh, but that that you know, as much as I enjoyed that part of the episode, that was a little bit uh, of a disappointment just because of that comparison. But I I do like what we get here. Most of the characters get. Um, something about them that is a little surprising that that is revealed this week other than the 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 character i still don't know her name who gets wasted that character still feels a bit too broad but i like the other characters i i, I think that this new guy uh might come back i have a feeling based on the because of that note i feel and also because it's not Seth Meyers. I have a feeling we might see that character again and if the show decides to actually try to make us like this utter douchebag that she uh, was hanging out with that would be interesting um let alone you know the fact that it's showing her dealing you know go- she's gonna go out with this absolute asshole again uh who was completely objectifying her in the vip uh so i think that that tends towards that slightly darker um character beat that we got in the premiere so i don't know we'll see if, if they go that direction i think that could be interesting and I, like like you i also like the um the, the development we get from Danny, I like that he can actually go out. To, he's a character that does go out to the club and have fun. It, he, I like that they're surprising not just the other characters in the show, but the audience as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it still feels very much like a show in flux, but I'm, I'm hoping it finds its feet yeah. and, and continues to improve over the next few weeks. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, Parenthood, though. There's something I need to tell you is the name of the episode. And this was probably the first. I'm going to give this a three hanky rating. <laughs> This was an emotional episode, uh, not just for the obvious cancer storyline. I, I did warn you. Across the board. Uh, yeah, that's whenever you have a series dealing with uh, cancer for you know main character having to go into surgery and, and maybe chemo and all of that, it's going to have an emotional episode. But because 
Kadem's knows what he's doing. It doesn't feel like a very special episode. It feels really uh, cohesive and part of the, the show. And I think there's a lot of really interesting things going on with the other characters as well. So I think it was it was well balanced. Uh, what did you think of uh, of Parenthood this week? Uh, I, yeah, I thought it was very good. I feel like there's now a an emotional terrorism arms race between this and Call the Midwife. Oh, Parenthood wins. Th- this this week, Parenthood wins. I don't I don't know if it's always going to win though. Uh-huh. I feel like. Call the Midwife has some pretty. I mean, it's got babies in the arsenal, so you know it it it, it can pull out all the stops when it wants to. But um, I mean, I'm, I, consistently, my major irritant with Parenthood is the, or you know, the aesthetic approach that it takes with its music and sometimes the editing and sound mixing and stuff like that, where it I feel like it's goosing us a little bit more than it has to. That wasn't a huge problem this week, except for the uh, slathering of slow mo we got at the end, which I really didn't care for. But, um, I mean, obviously, the the, the cancer storyline is being uh, handled really, really nicely. You don't need to goose that too much for it to be heavy and emotional and and just innately, you know, engaging in terms of its relatability. Um, but as for the, as for the other plot lines, I mean, really, we, only, we I guess we really only spend time with this, uh, a little bit of time with, with Craig T. Nelson and Matt Loria, and a little bit of time with Ray Romano and Lauren Graham. I mean, well, I, and there's I think... also there's also the stress uh, of the job and the the other sister um, uh, leaving her job. Oh right, yes, of course, uh, Erica Christensen, and uh, I, I I thought that was probably her first material this season that I found kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that that early sequence where she's just freaking out was really really hard to watch. Um, but the I, I continue to really enjoy the Ray Romano on this. I think he's been great. It definite definite shades of his work on uh, Men of a Certain Age. Can't wait to do a DVD shelf on that. By the way, at some point, because that will make me watch Men of a Certain Age. Yeah, I, I've seen the I've seen the yeah. first season. It's it's very good. And I mean, I, I I do feel like it 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 continues to be a weakness that we've seen so little of Jason Ritter's character. And it, it's it's you know we're we're kind of screwed on this because we didn't see the previous seasons. But I kind of feel like. There's only so many ways this can go, and I kind of feel like where I know it's headed, but maybe not. Kadem tends to be, you know, even if maybe uh, the where the story ends up going is, is somewhat predictable, he tends to subvert expectations in the execution, at least if Friday Night Lights is any indication of where, yeah. you know, how this will be handled on the show. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Erica Christensen. You said that scene is hard to watch, and I absolutely agree, but it's hard to watch in a good way, we should say. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know... It's a painful thing to watch. So often on, on shows like this, it feels like there's this notion, and this is something that The Good Wife did last season as well, there's this notion of the strong female characters have to be perfect at their job and an amazing parent and somehow able to juggle everything. And I like that they don't judge this character for not being able to do that. I absolutely agree. Ray Romano's fantastic. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with that. But it's so great to, to watch him on, on my TV every week. And um, we got to give credit, of course, to to Peter Krause and Monica Potter for continuing to knock it out of the park with um, with, with what the, those their characters are dealing with and mm-hmm. the, the cancer storyline. And uh, are you interested in uh, what they seem to be teasing of Matt Loria and uh, Mae Whitman? Well, uh, part of me thinks, oh, this is going to be adorable. Then the other part thinks, oh, this probably isn't going to end well, is it? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I just, I love watching Mae Whitman every week and just thinking back to her. Uh, 
Yeah, no, she's so great. Uh, yeah, she's so great. So any more Mae Whitman is always a good thing. So if this gives us more Mae Whitman, then I'm I'm happy with it. Yep, I agree. Let's move on to 30 for 30, though, which was 9.79 asterisks uh, was the name of this this one. This is about the 100-meter uh, dash at the – do you remember which Olympics? 1988 Olympics. 1988 Olympics. Uh, <laughs> or what I would like prefer history called it, the all-drug Olympics. Is <laughs> uh, any fans of SNL remember that highly entertaining sketch from the '90s? But uh, yes, the All Drug Olympics and the hundred meter dash. What did you think of of this episode? Um, I I really liked it. I I think what was nice about it is the directors, uh, rather the the filmmakers, have a pretty clear idea that almost everyone in this film is at least partially full of shit. Mm-hmm. And but they don't hammer it at you too much. They sort of let you, they sort of let it sink in every once in a while. And I mean, I think they did a great job sort of teasing the ambiguities of, you know, it's it's such a hard thing for the Olympic Committee, in the sense of they know they clearly know more than they let on, or or that they're willing to say. It's somewhat against their interest to to divulge all of the information. It's also against their interest to divulge no information. So they're kind of in an impossible position. And I, I, I think they did a good job just, de- I think this is what 30 for 30 does at its best. It, it demonstrates the paradoxes of sport and, and the things that there is no clear answer for and that everyone's just kind of left. Uh, well, this is just kind of how it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this last week you felt that the the length was was a bit of an issue for you it was too long that's how i felt this week uh because as soon as it became clear to me that pretty much everybody who was on the starting race maybe one person wasn't juicing probably you know at least what there are eight people at least six or seven other people must have been juicing uh, and therefore they many of them were just lying I liked that at least a few of them were straight, uh, straightforward about it. But uh, uh, when I got to that point, uh, while it is interesting to 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 get the perspective from all these different people, I, I feel like it was a little too repetitive. Um, it, it wasn't quite enough to fill out the ninety minute runtime. I think it would have been better at, at uh, an hour with commercials as opposed to an hour and a half with commercials. So I think they could have cut ten minutes um, out of there pretty pretty easily. So, but other than that, I do think it's an interesting story. I think it is um, the the issue of of doping in the Olympics and in sports in general is a really interesting one, particularly with you know the stuff with Lance Armstrong uh, having come out recently. Um, and, and I do think it's something that's worthy of discussion. Um, I guess I'm just more I would be more interested in a a like a feature length film looking at. America's relationship with sports or the world's relationship with sports and, and steroids, um, as opposed to just this one story. Well, I kind of feel like this, this story kind of gets at the heart of the issue. I mean, we, I'm not really sure what else there is to say beyond it's prevalent. And I I mean, when the, when the doc, when the one lab tech tech at the end says, oh, we get better at testing and we can learn that. Yeah. But they also get better at doping. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, I feel like, you know, you called it the, the all-drug Olympics in reference to that sketch. Well, it kind of feels like every Olympics is the all-drug Olympics, and mm-hmm. you just don't hear about it. And I, I just love the fact that jo- Johnson, who's, you know, clearly kind of a dick, um, he, he got caught, so he's totally honest. Everyone else is 25 years later. They 
there's absolutely nothing to be gained by them being honest. And I, I kind of enjoyed picking up on the, the, the I, I kind of wished I was like, I was uh, Tim Roth on Lie to Me and I could <laughs> yeah. s- start start looking for micro signals and like, ah, yeah, I can see you're full of shit because of this. There but, was uh, one yeah. athlete who, who just came forward who was the, the female track and field. Yeah, and Sorry. her testimony is incredible. That was um, fantastic. I wish more athletes would would do that. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't. And perhaps it is what they bring up in the documentary about how everybody who came forward and testified was barred for life. So nobody's yeah, there's ever no, going to. There's no advantage. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think to me, I, I never sort of get tired of watching people lie because I find lying fascinating. And and they've had 25 <laughs> years to hone their lies, which is why they're so good at it. Mm-hmm. No, I, yeah, we'll see. I think. I guess I liked last week a little bit more. It sounds like you liked this week a little more. Yeah, I think so. So we'll see what happens, uh, where, where they all rank once we finish up the month and, and the uh, five episodes that we're getting for right now. But let's move to, to Wednesday. And the first episode for for Wednesday is Key and Peele. Uh, I liked, we both liked the premiere. We weren't as hot on last week. Where are you with this one? I like this one even less, actually, which is too bad because I, I, I love these dudes and I, I love this show when it's on. Uh, but this week was an off week for me. The 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 racist folk song or country song sketch was kind of funny, although it went on a little bit too long. And I'm struggling to think of anything else that was funny. The ice tea dog thing was not funny. The Rihanna thing was should have been funny, but was depressing because it reminded me of Rihanna and Chris Brown. Um, I'm even struggling to remember what the rest of the sketches were. Well, we had more uh, with Luther, the anger translator. And that was great, but it was also like 45 seconds long. Well, I, I like this episode more than you did. I thought it was better than last week. And I, I don't think the, the country music sketch was too long. I think it was perfectly timed. And I loved the songs that they came, came up with. You could cut out a song about a tire swing? Come on. I mean, that was great. I, I loved it. I thought they played it really well. And uh, any sketch that ends with Rihanna tasering Chris Brown is good in my book. So, so I, I like that one more than you did too. Hopefully they'll uh, have another one, you know, next week that gets back to the level of the premiere. I think, you know, these other two episodes definitely have not been as good as the premiere, but I still, you know, I, like you have said, I enjoy hanging out with these people. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're definitely the most sort of genial comedians to watch on television and just even, even when they're not funny, which for me was a lot of the episode. I, I still, I'm not, I don't regret watching it. Oh, the other one, I did, <laughs> I very much enjoyed the Liam Neesons and, and Bruce Willie as well. Uh, oh, that, no, that that didn't work for me at all. Oh, I thought it was all. funny. I thought it worked. Okay, fair enough. Comedy's very personal. Let's yep. talk about a show that hopefully will be, uh, we'll be less personal and we'll have some consensus on, the pilot to Arrow. <laughs> okay, yeah, you've been upset about this for quite some time. Yeah. What did you think? Everybody knows what I think. What do you think? Ah, it's, it's so ignorable. I mean, it's, it's another superhero origin story, just like every other superhero origin story you've seen. Particularly uh, Batman Begins. Especially Batman Begins, which it it harkens back to uh, extremely, very, very closely. It, I mean, like you said, the the action sequences, I think, are actually surprisingly well executed. And and they're not easy to do, so I'm giving them points for it. Uh, The parkour thing is kind of cool. But... Yeah, I don't know. Like the instant I, I I was done watching it, it was already beginning to retreat from my memory. I don't understand why anyone is excited about it, except for I guess comic fans who sense that maybe there are interesting plot lines coming up. So you know, good for them. But yeah, it's not didn't do anything for me. But it, it didn't offend me either. Yeah, it's not offensive. 
you know, and maybe that's, you know, I, I do want to get that up here at the front because there are pilots that I disliked a lot more than this. Um, this this season, none this week. I don't. I feel like people are going to be a little, or have been a little overly harsh on Beauty and the Beast, which we'll get to. Uh, but as far as the Air Pilot, the reason that I'm talking about it at all, because my opinion hasn't changed, is that I watched it again, thanks to the <laughs> internet. The yeah, you know, the the internet basically has come to the conclusion, and most of the TV critics that I've seen that at Worst, this is a passable pilot, and at best, it's a promising, entertaining new pilot. Maybe a guilty pleasure. And it's not good. It's Maybe it's not terrible, but I feel like all the extra positive praise has pushed me further in the ne- into the negative camp. But it has a terrible opening narration that continues throughout the episode. The, the mo- character motivations don't make any sense. Everybody in this is an idiot. No, you know, come... This guy comes home and all of a sudden, oh, you learned Russian while you were in college and never spoke it before? That's not weird. There's just, there's way too much like that. And the, uh, let alone the, the utterly, uh, predictable love triangle that they're, that they're, they've established, the, the, uh, ridiculously unbelievable, uh, you know, I went to an island for five years by myself and came back knowing martial arts. Obviously, they're going to expand on that, but, the fact that nobody in this guy's family notices or cares that he's come back with uh, with languages he 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 didn't know before and now he does religions he didn't know before and now he does and and just the fact that someone could be on an island for five years and not be malnutritious malnutritioned and 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 weak but be ridiculously cut and built and nobody mentions it just it, it drives me nuts. So this is not a good show. And it also, the thing with, you know, listening to Paul Goebel talk about this, because he's more of a fan of the comics on his podcast, of course, the Paul Goebel Show, we love them over there, uh, is that they there's a bunch of things from the comics that they change for little to no reason. Oh, also, by the way, a hood, really? That's going to be your way that you disguise yourself? That's ridiculous. And, and he, spray, he uses camo, but only over his eyes? If you're going to take the time to put on camo, why aren't you putting it across your entire face? It's ridiculous. Uh, so, yes, this is not a good show. I don't understand why people seem to be liking it so much more than Revolution. But we'll talk about that a little bit when we get to Revolution. Anything else before we move on? We should know. Let's keep going. Y- okay. You watched Beauty and the Beast and I didn't. So maybe yeah. we should get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wednesday Supernatural. What, what's up, Tiger Mommy? This was another uh, Kevin episode. We, we met his mom, who was awesome. Enjoyed that. And... Uh, and we saw Crowley get away with the the word of God, and the Winchester brothers got uh, delayed in their season long search for the way to close the gates to hell. Um, I think this was a fun episode. There were a lot of nice comic moments. I like the continued flashbacks we're getting to Dean and Purgatory and the development with Castiel. I'm a- completely uninterested in Sam's flashback, which it looks like we're getting next week, but uh, it still can it still continues to be entertaining, and definitely it's a step up from last season. Um, and even season six at this point. So I'm hopeful that Supernatural will continue to improve as the, as the season continues. Now let's talk about Nashville, which is, I, I for me, it was one of the best pilots of the season. W- what did you think of this episode? I thought it was pretty solid. I, I mean, you know, what's funny is a few weeks back, I talked about a, a show that FX didn't actually option, but did air the pilot too called Outlaw Country. And in a way, this kind of feels like that show done right. It's actually, a, it's a much more ambitious, much slicker, version of that show which also featured you know a generational gap 
between two rival female country singers and, you know, featured original music and all, all this other stuff. But where that show made me embarrassed for Mary Steenburgen, this show, I think, pulls it off quite nicely with Connie Britton. And uh, obviously T-Bone Burnett handling the music supervision on the show. Um, and he's, he does a, he does a great job. The the thing that, that's, that surprised me about the show is how, um, how large it is They're You know, they're deal, they're dealing with these political angles, which admittedly are a little bit simplistic, uh, especially because as, as much as I love powers booth, he's basically doing the side Tolliver thing where he's just a straight up evil dude. And I'm hoping they give, they manage to give him some shading over time or, or, or at least something pitiable. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a show that's trying on a lot, which is always fun to see, and, and, and most of it works. I, I am having a hard time with separating all the soulful white dudes from each other, because it seems like there's about seven of them, and they're all songwriters, and they've all got goatees. I don't know, am I, am I the only one with this problem? Yeah, that's okay, Okay, though. just checking. <laughs> well, maybe it helps that I am familiar with the... Uh... The one playing the band leader, uh, from from whose lines did anyway back in the day, uh, Chip then Charles now, uh, so I, I some of these actors I'm more familiar with, so maybe that's helping me differentiate them. Oh, and hey, uh, somebody found a good use for Hayden Panettiere. Yeah, she's good. Go figure. <laughs> no, I think she's good in this. I, you know, I've already said I like this. I think the music is actually really good. It fits very well with the the these characters or these actors voices as well as the character um i like the the differences we hear between the kind of music uh we hear from reina and the kind of music we hear from uh from hayden Panettiere's character uh was it right julia Barnes? Barnes. Yeah. yeah um i do want to mention this is something you mentioned on firewall and ice iceberg podcast uh and i do want to mention this as well because i absolutely agree the people who are describing this as like a Faith Hill or Reba McIntyre versus Taylor Swift. That's not what the show is at all. This Juliet Barnes character is not a Taylor Swift character. So I don't really understand where that's coming from other than that she's young. But uh, I, I do think that they're doing a good job of kind of making this about more than just two characters, but more about uh, art and music and and how that ties in with politics and, and um, this notion of kids preferring the spoon-fed, overly computerized and, and sweetened music, uh, and more juvenile music as opposed to more mature and complicated music like we hear at the end of, this, of the um, episode at the Bluebird. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's not as much of a chasm between what Raina does and what Juliet does as maybe she, she seems to think there is, or maybe, mm -hmm. and I don't know if that's intentional or if that's a, a failure of execution, but I'm I'm thinking I'm hope I'm kind of hoping that's a that's something they explore. Uh, yeah, I I don't see the Taylor Swift thing at all. I mean, if anything, Taylor Swift kind of projects, um, you know, sweetness and innocence, whereas they're they're kind yeah. of playing up the sex angle with with Panettiere's character. And also, Taylor Swift is is you know fairly renowned as her own songwriter, and yeah. that's that doesn't seem to be much of a thing. With she 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 mentions writing, but she seems to mostly just pick up other people's material. Yeah, well, and there's this notion in here that that the character does have good taste when it comes to other music she she knows country music she listens to the b-sides and the those tracks or those those records that are way at the back of the shelf that nobody ever listens to uh and so i appreciate that but she yeah we don't see her performing any of her own music um and uh and so i that there's a very that, that i think that's an important difference yeah 
but then and 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 also but you know again the the process that Juliet goes through where she picks up that uh, that Civil Wars tune at the end is not that different. So I'm I'm hoping that, that they explore. Sorry, yes, Reina. Um, I'm I'm hoping they they explore those similarities as well as their differences. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Let's go on to Thursday though. Uh, Thirty Rock and Governor Dunstan. We got to see Tracy Morgan here being the. <laughs> Paul Ryan gets uh, uh, d- drops out of the race as VP because his he turns out he was actually born in Kenya, and uh, <laughs> and, and so instead we have basically the Thirty Rock doing the Sarah Palin thing where there's a character or somebody becomes the running mate who looks so much like one of the cast members that they you know as much as it's going to boost the show and help NBC which is not what our our leads want at this point the, the show has to they have to go for the joke. Tracy Morgan is playing Governor Dunstan as well as, of course, uh, Tracy Jordan. So uh, I think it was funny. There was uh, Brian Cranston and Catherine O'Hara come on as as uh, Kenneth's uh, uh, parents ish, and I think that that storyline that those that casting has a lot more potential than what they actually get out of it. Um, but I did think it was a far more enjoyable episode um, than last week. I'm, I'm if the show gears towards this kind of dynamic, I'm I'm going to be much more pleased with it in this last season. I didn't catch Thirty Rock this week, but I I do, and I I think my favorite thing about this new season, or the most promising thing, is I love that they're just absolutely, they've only got eleven episodes left, and they're just going to tar and feather NBC as much as possible. I, I would prefer, as much as I do enjoy all the guests we get this week, I would prefer a little more time with our actual main cast. Um, it'd be nice to get back into the writers' room, for example. We get Matthew Broderick as well this week, and James Franco is back, of course, as Chris too. It, it would be nice to to see a little paring down of the guest cast to to let our regulars shine. But uh, but no, a solid episode. I think you should check it out. You'll probably enjoy it. All right. Though you seem to be a little less enthused about the Always Sunny premiere. Yeah, we all know. I mean, we're big fans of Always Sunny around here. I think it's one of the two or three best live action comedies kicking around. And but the th- but you know it's also on its eighth season. And any comedy on its eighth season is going to be hit or miss. Any comedy, except for maybe The Simpsons, I guess. Um, and this was a, a this was pretty much a miss for me. I, I feel like individual elements had a lot of potential, and as soon as they got into that decrepit hospital room, I was like, oh, yeah, this this is vintage, always sunny. Just the 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 horribleness, the the rotting soups, the the obvious the stench you can practically smell through your screen. Uh, that was great, and they did a great makeup job on the uh, on 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 the grandfather. But yeah, I just I didn't laugh much, and just little bits of it were just trying way too hard, like like Charlie and his late episode degradation into some Bane like figure was just a little bit too much. Oh, I was cool with it uh, because I also figured that uh, Charlie was putting on that voice as much as anything else. I could I could see him doing that. Uh, but no, I, I hear where you're coming from. I did enjoy this more than you did. It's nice to have Always Sunny back on my TV. Uh, and uh, just I, I maybe even just like having the lawyer back, the lawyer character back. Oh, the lawyer back. was obviously the highlight, yeah. Oh, he's fabulous. And uh, the soup. Oh, God, the soup. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the, uh, you know, I thought, I thought it was fun. I liked it. Um, but I, did, I definitely think they have better ahead of them this season, hopefully. Yeah. How do we feel yeah. about having... I, I feel like we went from Fat Mac to the fittest Mac we've ever gotten. Yeah, I think he looks, you know, like Mac. Uh, so yeah, I, I it, as much as we did enjoy Fat Mac, I think it it was smart to not run that into the ground and yeah. to have that. Well, I mean, it was, it was smart as a wonder. it was smart as a human being 
<laughs> yeah. to get healthy again. So I can, so I can't begrudge him even if it's not necessarily as funny. Yeah. Um, any final Always Sunny? Uh, like you said, they've got better ahead of them, and I, I can't wait to see what the what the A level episodes are this season. Yeah, can't wait. Um, next is The Vampire Diaries, which had its season premiere, Growing Pains. Of course, at the end of last season, uh, spoilers. Oh, yeah, I'll take Cone of Silence. Got it. Cone of Silence for Simon, who's still on season two. Uh, Elena, of course, uh, transitioned to becoming a vampire. And uh, there was a lot of uh, focus on that this week, the, her emo- emotional journey. We got Bonnie and Grams. It's nice to see Jasmine Guy back on the show. And I like that they've changed up the power dynamic in the town if we get more of sheriff forbes and uh tyler's mom as well i think that's a good thing um i particularly like watching liz forbes interact with uh, ian summerholder damon i think they have an entertaining uh uh relationship uh, and so yeah i think it's a solid premiere maybe not didn't hit it out of the park as much as i might have hoped but a good balance of plot and character and i look forward to seeing what comes next and then next up is the uh beauty and the beast pilot which uh you didn't want did you no, I didn't. I had a I had a strange flash of self respect, and I, I left it there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not good. I mean, it's not it's not offensive. It you know, I think it has the potential to become offensive very quickly with its under underlying uh, sort of thread of uh, abusive relationships. But mostly, it's just kind of stupid. And uh, I've you know, we'll see if if audiences continue to tune in. Um, it's it's after Vampire Diaries, which is, of course, the CW's most highly rated uh, series. So it has a little boost from that. But hopefully people will stop tuning in because it's not very good. And the notion of Kristen Crook as not only a cop but a detective is ridiculous. So uh, hopefully we'll just kind of all agree that this never happened and move on quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And let's, to contrast that, we have Last Resort, which is continues to be one of the, the best new shows this week. Uh, Eight Bells. What did you think? I feel like Last Resort is humming along nicely. Um, I, 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 I like that this week we we get the fact that the show is not afraid to commit to the to the problems it sets up, and not afraid to sort of have these these payoffs that are not necessarily immediately satisfying. And you know, we sort of have like everything that goes on with the um, the, the essentially the gangster who runs the island. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, everything that goes on with him and the, the sort of the deal they have to make and the the essentially the the act of prostitution that saves, that saves one guy's life and there's a lot of really you know dark and murky stuff going on in the episode that I really enjoyed um and also we got some some great sub action this week which I feel like is can't be easy to execute in terms of there's it seems like there's a lot of CG and um it, it gets very technical and it, it it could easily get mired in a in a lack of detail but i think they, they do a nice job with it i mean it's also tricky because you know they're not going to destroy the sub three episodes in because they're not stupid um so it's it's difficult to generate tension that way but it actually works um still some 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 clunky moments here and there but uh, i i think it's developing quite well well and you know obviously they're not going to to explode the sub but Having actually getting back on the sub, I think, was an important thing. Get giving uh, the the people a mission that requires them to go around subbing, and also, of course, putting a limit limitation on their shiny technology that lets uh, them disappear from from radar. I think was smart too, making it a massive power drain. It's you know, I, it's a little expected, um, but I think that was still good to establish. And I think 
the the most interesting thing there the two most interesting things I should say about this episode is I like the the bit of backstory we get with with Tani who's Dijon Lockman uh, I I'm 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 a big fan of hers from Dollhouse of course she's like her and Enver Gokaj are like the reasons to watch Dollhouse is my it's not even Joss Whedon it's it's those two um, and uh, so she's good here and I like that any illusions of like the magical native are just gone. She really yeah. doesn't want to live there. She'd love to live in an actual city. Um, and I think that that's an important thing to get away from. And then also, I like that they don't make the politics of the island easy. Because obviously this guy is, uh, a, you know, a horrible person, is the you know, running drugs, gang leader, per- you know, not a good guy. But I like that the end of the episode, when you see him, you know, with the funeral surrounded by townspeople... Obviously, some of them work for him, but others who don't are, are still would if the they went out and attacked this guy and killed him, which they could easily do, I think, just take out like his household or his compound that would still, you know, they established that, that would create significant problems for them. I think that it was important to establish that, um, first of all, to, to show the dynamic of places like this where there is a strong drug trade, but that does, you know, as much as these are maybe bad people, there are good people who would get very much uh hurt by if you just shot those bad people um it's that as as well as just explaining why that antagonist continues to remain on the show particularly after yeah. what happens this week yeah i think they're they're going in some really interesting directions with that we also get the addition of michael gaston in basically the same role he did on terriers and rubicon mm-hmm. and you know whatever i'm i'm happy with that uh, the the twist with him being autumn reeser's dad was potentially interesting mm-hmm uh, although that that the DC aspect is still, I think, the least compelling, just because it seems so far removed from everything else in every sense. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that that it gets a little bit better integrated in the future. Yeah, I, but I, I think they're doing well. They're doing better than the worst expectations or the lower expectations of what the show could be. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, hopefully people will continue to tune in. We uh, on Thursday, you checked out uh, Person of Interest. I did. Yeah, this week I, I had this weird experiment where I watched shows that other people watch. Uh, there's another one of those coming up, but I, I'm actually kind of digging Person of Interest. I remember when it premiered, I I, I can't even remember if I watched the pilot or not because it was such a loaded pilot season. But the I, I feel like Jim Caviezel's gotten to be actually quite good. I, I remember I remember you having some serious misgivings about him at the start. I think he he's he's kind of mastered the quiet ass kicker thing in a in a way that isn't boring and actually has some charisma to it. Uh, which is great. I, I, I it's, it sounds silly, but I like the addition of the dog who, who only answers to Dutch commands. Uh, in these first two episodes, we get a double dose of Amy Acker, who's great and you know, sort of nicely show destabilizing. It's not clear whether or not she'll uh, she'll recur immediately, but she's obviously not gone for good. Um, her, her, all her scenes with Michael Emerson are very good. I, it, it's it's not a. I, I don't feel like it's all that substantial a show, but I do feel like it's it's very very well executed, very entertaining. And it's basically at this point, it seems to be a well-oiled machine, but in a way that isn't. Uh, I, I feel like it, it's built up its, its world, its universe in, in, a, in a in a potentially interesting way, and it seems to have a good balance between sort of case of the week and sort of developing its characters and its universe uh, gradually, which I like. Um, so yeah, it's it's not it's not revelatory, but it's it's a pretty it's a pretty swift and fun. 44 minutes of television well I'll, I'll check it out and uh and give my thoughts next week when we when we talk about it uh but yeah i mean if uh 
I already had liked elements of the show, and if Caviezel is, has improved or maybe the show's uh, adapted more to his strengths, that that's promising. As well as I love Amy Acker. And by the way, if you th- if you like her in this, wait till you get to her stuff on Angel, which I know you still haven't gotten to. And uh, when Much Ado About Nothing comes out, go see it. Everybody listening, when Much Ado About Nothing comes out with Amy Acker and Alexis Denisoff, go see it. She's really good. Um, that's my PSA for for Much Ado and Amy Acker. But let's let's go on to to Friday, which has uh, Sci-Fi Friday, Grim, The Bottle Limp. I'm just going to briefly mention this that I like what they're doing. They continue to do with uh, Nick and Juliet. Hopefully, that's starting to come to a head. And also, you know, min- more with Monroe and uh, hijinks at the spice shop. I think they've done a good job of balancing that comedy with with everything else and of course as i mentioned last week hank being in on the secret capital t capital s is a a good thing and uh has really improved the show so they continue to to keep things entertaining over there at grim and then fringe the recordist i have a review up at sound on site uh for this episode it was you know a little bit of a disappointment for me after the last two weeks mostly it felt like a one of the, it's felt more standalone, even though there are these larger recurring uh, elements to the to the storyline or to the motivation for why they are dealing with these people, these uh, standalone characters. Um, but it, it felt more like a, one of their more mediocre filler episodes. And when there's only 13 episodes in this final season, it was a bit of a disappointment, uh, at least for me. What did you think? Yeah, it's not a very good episode. I feel like it kind of... I mean, last week we we had some misgivings about the sort of questy feel to what has to be done with the tapes and et cetera, et cetera. And I think this episode bears that fear out, unfortunately, where, you know, they have to get some rocks that are in a mine that for some reason the observers didn't just fill up or blow up in the first place. Yeah. Which they shouldn't they shouldn't have even mentioned why didn't they blow it up or, yeah. or, or, or oh, they'll seal it off because that immediately made me think, oh, they should have sealed it off already because it's clearly useless, <laughs> except I guess is a human trap. But anyway, um, so yeah, there's and also um, a couple a couple weeks ago you said that they hadn't retconned the observers, but I feel like they have because do you remember when they could travel around? You know, they could you know they could teleport around, and we already know they can travel back in time. So why they don't go back in time to like a few days earlier when they know where they were and just kill them? I have no idea. Um, but I don't know. I just if I feel like they gave them too much power, and now they've taken most of it away just because it would make everything too easy for them. Yeah, I see where you're coming from with that. It doesn't bother me so much because I, I feel like as soon as they did do their invasion and they have occupied, I feel like there's a different set of rules for what they're going to be okay doing. Why? Because they're in control now. They don't necessarily want to go back and meddle with things in the past few days because maybe that will stop them being in control. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm okay. just giving them too much leeway. Uh, hopefully they will address that you know, these issues more fully in, in the next few episodes. Um, and the last thing I'll say about, about fringe is that I, I do enjoy the, the actors. I think they continue to give really good performances in general, but I think they, they need to do about the show needs to do a better job of balancing these really personal character moments, which we get a few really good ones this week, particularly with Olivia um, and Peter, but they need to balance that with more happening and more higher stakes. Um, I think in the, in the action and the, the plot side of things. And that will help next is Saturday and the thick of it, which was amazing. Yeah. This, this rule, this was, this very nearly was spotlight for me. I mean, but I mean, honestly, the only reason it's not is because next week just looks even better. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm kind of just waiting. I mean, the the it it may it may end up being a series finale. I don't know because I I read somewhere that the, the, that that they were planning on this being the final series. I don't know if that's actually true. 
Um, and I, I imagine it's not going to be that that easy to keep this cast together over time because I assume there's going to be lots of opportunities. Plus, Veep is happening as well. So, yeah, but this was so dark, so very dark, and it's, so biting. It's hilarious. Is you know more than anything else. It's just it's funny. It, it's very funny, but it's all but it's 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 so acidic, and yeah, it, it gets true, that yeah. balance. It gets that balance. I mean, it's it, if, if especially if you put it side by side with Veep. Like it's 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 incredible how much later he went for for Veep when this is just I was sort of expecting this to be a lighter season because of you know the influence of, of Veep I mean it's got some of the same writers and it's just no this no. is just pitch black well and it, it really looks like they're they could they have the potential to explode the show in, in next week and in a way that would make for a completely satisfying uh, series finale I cannot wait to see to see what happens basically in, in this next episode all of the characters are going to be called up in front of a commission to justify all of their actions over the course <laughs> of the series and so basically yeah. it's like this this the seinfeld finale except probably better except actually you know except the characters are going to be talking rather than these side characters coming back to talk about our main characters and so that that leaves so much more potential uh yeah i i can't even think of a, like what was your high point of the episode single favorite moment oh god uh i mean it's it was just such a manic meltdown for everyone that I'm I'm having a hard time piecing out individual moments. The um, sh- nope, I got nothing. Yeah. I, for me, I I guess I'd have to give it to the the lovely sequence where the two characters uh feel like they've exploded everybody else in the office and avoided themselves and aren't they so fabulous? And then and then they realize Glenn screwed them yeah. within the span of like twenty seconds that they are now. Up, up shit creek as well and uh yeah just that that you know moment i think i think wins for me but it's it's hilarious watch this season guys it's on hulu catch up with it so that you can watch the finale it's the next week is going to be the last last episode uh maybe the last episode of the series only six episodes this season so you can totally catch up but it's great absolutely okay sunday and the amazing race there's no crying in baseball the substitute teachers are still in. They are, unfortunately. Although they were less annoying this week, which was good. Yeah, um, I feel like that's be, the edit, though. Yeah, it could be the editing. Um, for, first of all, I need to gloat for a second because I'm totally killing the Amazing Race pool right yes, now. Yes, you are winning. And I feel like the more I, the more I mention that I'm winning, the more nothing can possibly go wrong because that's how life works. Well, and who's anyway. In, is, it, is it Mario or is it Dan? Who's in second Dan's place? Dan's in second. Dan's in second, yeah. And then the rest of us are like tied at two points. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Whereas Third. I got 16 points, mother! Anyway, um, so yeah, the uh, this one was alright. The challenges didn't seem... I mean, I guess the masks was heavy, but other than that, the challenges didn't seem all that difficult this week. Yeah. Which was a little disappointing. I mean, I guess the plate balancing would be a little tricky the first time, but... Um, I, and I have to say, also, I'm totally rooting for the Chippendales now. They're my they're my favorite team. They're your new favorite team. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been enjoying a few of the teams more. I still don't have a team that I like enough to to switch my initial pick. I don't like my initial pick. I don't think they're going to win, but I don't have somebody I like enough to actively switch to, especially because mm-hmm. y'all already have picked uh, Abby and Ryan, who look like the strongest team right now. Um, so if I pick but them, they're it a couple. Help me. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, you know, I'm still enjoying this. I, I, I guess if I had to pick a team right now that I want to win, um, I guess I'd go the Rockers. Otherwise, maybe uh, the Twins. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the, I feel like the their lone wolf ways are going to burn them at some point. But the, the, they, they are fun to watch. Yeah. 
Let's move on, though, uh, to Call the Midwife, which had episode three. And uh, we got more chummy and we got uh, we, we got more more angst and babies and a little more backstory, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was the weakest episode, but it was still good. I, I that's not really a, I'm not trying to slight it. I think the least interesting aspect and sort of the one that the early episodes shied away from is the, is you know Jenny and her love interest and you know it's not horrible. It's just kind of there and uh, it's just know, not I, as interesting as everything else. Yeah, and he's just kind of he's really bland, which doesn't yeah. help. Uh, he's he's by far the least interesting character on the show. I, his name's Jimmy, right? Something like that. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't even remember his bloody name. Uh, the stuff with with Joe. Uh, the retired uh, military man is obviously much more interesting. Yeah. And uh, although I have to say, as I'm, I'm not really a fan of the narration on the show in general, but I really disliked the closing narration this week when the, when she when she not just implied but flat out said that everything with this black baby and white family turned out awesome, guys. Which no, it didn't. It didn't. I don't believe you, Vanessa Redgrave. Stop talking. <laughs> yeah, the the stuff with Joe was great. The stuff with the um. With the the woman who had the affair and got you know pregnant and wasn't going to be able to hide it, uh, I, I think that was compelling and and well executed. Um, as, as aside from that ridiculous end of episode narration, I also like uh, Chummy and her love interest. Uh, yes, all of that was 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 pretty fabulous, especially the one nun's reaction to to everything. Um, but I guess right now the the thing that's kind of hanging over the show for me is that they haven't killed off any babies yet or mothers, and I feel like they're gonna have to. Oh yeah, and you know they're gonna they're, they're gonna pile a few of those into one episode. There's gonna be dead babies everywhere, and it's yeah. gonna be like, oh god, I can't even <laughs> deal with it. Yeah, so uh, you know that's I'm sure that's coming, but for right now it still remains an enjoyable show and uh, one's definitely worth checking out. Sundays are very full, but I think it's worth checking out Call the Midwife. Yeah, especially if you like Danton Abbey and mm-hmm. you're waiting for that to come back because you're foolish. No, I'm just kidding. Apparently, Downton Abbey season three has been great, so I'm going to stop dissing it, but we'll I'm, see. I'm not. <laughs> Let's move on to The Other Wife on Sundays, The Good Wife. Uh, two girls, one code. What did you think? I thought it was a decent case of the week. I, I, I was nice just to have a, an outcome where they weren't victorious, or not not outwardly so, anyway. Uh, Rita Wilson's always good to see. I, we had Uncle Junior on the bench, which was, which was fantastic, and he was really, really good. He got some of the best laughs of the entire episode, really like Nathan Lane as usual. But man, as much as I was kind of excited or interested in this, in the Mark Warren storyline, Kalinda's husband, at first I thought it was an, an interesting direction for them to potentially take. Boy, this is turning out to be less than I was hoping for. A yeah, lot less. Yeah, really not interested anymore. And it's and it it happened really fast. And the Good Wife has really long seasons, so I'm yeah. really hoping they fix this soon. Yeah, I have a feeling this might be the Eli story for this season, where you know maybe everybody else is watching it and wrapped with attention, and and we're watching it going, really? Could we just pretend or these like, scenes didn't happen? Or like her and Scott Porter in season two. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. the The actors are deserve better material than they're being given. But the rest of the episode was fun, and I, I agree with everything you just said about the guest stars. And uh, I, I like that they brought back the affair issues um, and had them be false this time with with Peter. I thought that was smart, and we'll see where they go from here. Yep. Now, next we'll mention the Walking Dead premiere seed. We both really liked it. Uh, we have a separate episode up on the feed. Just talking about that, so you can check that out. And then you're going to talk about De- uh, Dexter, Buck the System. Yes, I have been, for the first time in six seasons, I am watching Dexter. I watched season one, enjoyed it, but kind of felt like I got the point. 
at the time. Like, I didn't feel like I needed to watch much more of it. Have you have, have you watched Dexter before? Yeah, I, I've seen the first four seasons. Okay, and, and I, then I like you them. quit? And I have them on DVD, actually. Uh, I was watching season five, and I just got distracted and had okay. to come back. Right. Uh, I, I do feel... I, so, do you know the basic premise of this new season? Or oh, yeah, I, I know everything. I, I, okay. I edit the Dexter reviews, so I know everything okay. that's going on. you know on. everything. All right. So, yeah, I, I think the, the decision to basically i'm just going to keep calling it pulling a homeland mm-hmm. and uh redefining your show by divul- divulging information that you maybe didn't need to um by having deb caught up with everything i think is, is great they they have her react in a in a smart way or a relatively smart way considering what she has to process uh which is which is really really great they could have screwed that up so many different ways the I feel like they've done a better job than I remember them doing in the first season with integrating all the different characters, you know, the other Miami PD people in a plot that kind of, in, you know, it's not entirely connected firsthand, but I, I feel like it's, it, there's no in, individual element that feels like it's totally out of left field or like, why am I watching this? Which feels like an improvement. Um, it's, I mean... Dexter is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous, ridiculous show in which everyone in Miami is a serial killer or a cop. So you need. So I, I whenever I get back into it, I have to get over that part. But uh, these first two episodes, I think, have been really funny. Sorry, actually, first three episodes, I should say, because we're three episodes in now, and I've watched all of them. Um, you know, funny, fast paced, well executed, well acted, um, pulpy when necessary. Especially this past week with the with the horned helmet. Holy crap. Um, and uh, we got also got the addition of Ivan Strahovski this week, who um, I don't know where they're going with that. I'm hoping she doesn't turn out to be another serial killer, because come on. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. And also the, the way they develop instant chemistry was a bit much. But um, yeah, very. Um, I've, I've been. It's, it's been a good pulpy hour of television to catch up with. Yeah. Uh, next, let's move on to Homeland and State of Independence. Homeland. God damn it, Homeland. Every once in a while, they pull some contrived stuff that makes me, that just keeps it from being the absolute top tier it can be. Like, it's so close to being, if not the best show on TV, then at least, like, tied for best show on TV. And then every once in a while, they pull some crap like Brody this week and his stupid, stupid mission, which they task him with for some reason, even though it puts him out in the open, which should be the last thing they want. And, yeah, I don't know. It, ma- it makes the terrorists seem like idiots, and it makes... It makes us feel like the show thinks we're stupid. Yeah. And which is too bad because the rest of the episode is really good. And uh, we finally get, of course, the Saul Carey reunion that we were hoping would probably be the first scene of this new new episode. (laughs) Uh, At least I was. And um, obviously next week should be epic. But this week was kind of just a bump in the road for me. Yeah, I I prefer to focus on every other part of the episode besides Brody getting the most inconvenient flat tire of all time. Um, The... uh, the stuff with Jessica, I think, is really good, and I'm kind of waiting for the Skylar-like backlash to happen, but I haven't heard it yet, so that's good. Marina Backroom's really good in her scenes, and I like yep. what they continue to do with uh, with them, as well as with... I, I always really enjoyed Dana. She gets very little to do this week, but I still think it was it was fun. And then uh, the stuff with uh, Carrie continues to be excellent, and Claire Danes is great. So I, th- mm-hmm. I like that they're not shying away from how unstable she is and how dark... Her, her life is right now. Um, so hopefully we'll see where they go next. I, I, I kind of feel like if I had been in Saul's shoes, I wouldn't have told her anything. I mean, I, I he did it as, he does it as a, as a personal and professional courtesy, but I'm not sure it was wise. 
Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. How she reacts. That's definitely. She's definitely a wild card in a way. I feel like a lot of other shows say that somebody's a wild card, but they're she, really not. Yeah. She is a wild card. <laughs> I yeah, could and... I could equally believe her doing nothing or going over to his house and going nah, 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 nah. I we have the video <laughs> turn yourself in <laughs> yeah uh yeah 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 and yeah absolutely and the fact that she's the absolute center of the show is what makes the show so exciting and the fact that she is out of the loop until the last seconds of the episode is very very frustrating yeah but her performance that 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 last scene with with Claire Danes and Maddie Patinkin and uh it's just watching the video and, and we and I like that we see the video too we mm-hmm. you know confirm what's on it uh it's just it's fantastic and the, just the the performance from Claire Danes in that and also just Patinkin letting her just go is is fantastic so hopefully they'll focus a little more in that direction in, in the next few episodes yes please uh, Monday has the voice and the battle rounds are continuing. And uh, for this one, I'm just going to mention, uh, I-, I always enjoy the battle rounds. I talked about the, the steel last week and why I think that's been a real uh, boost for the show. Uh, this week, I'm just going to mention, I loved Adam's save of Sam. It was Sam and Benji and they did You Give Love a Bad Name, which of course immediately took me to Barney Stinson uh, and his, his psych up mix. And every other judge would have given it to Benji, and I was sitting there watching it going, yeah, Benji's really good with what he does, his scream thing, but he is nowhere near versatile enough to be able to survive on the show. Sam's a better singer. He should give it to Sam. And then he did. It was great. I very much enjoyed that. So that, that's exactly the reason why I like watching the show and why I like uh, – uh, I particularly enjoy Adam's decisions, I think – um, they're very, he, I think he's very smart. I think he's a very smart coach. Um, and I also like that they've really shown the technical and musical expertise of their coaches in the coaching sessions this season in a way that I feel like they kind of didn't as much last season. So I continue to enjoy the voice. Alphas need to know it's the anti-penultimate episode. No, it's the, penul- it's the penultimate episode. It's the penultimate episode. <laughs> what did you think? You just really wanted to use anti-penultimate. It's a good um, word. It is a good word. The uh, yeah, I, I felt like this was a really I, I love the pacing of this episode. It was just so relentless. I, I felt like I was on the edge of my seat almost the entire time, which is good for alphas and uh, they should maybe try that on more often. Uh, I'm not totally convinced that we're headed for a super compelling endgame. I feel like they've 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 built they do so much build up in this episode that I'm not really sure they've got the stones to live up to. Uh, so we'll see where that's going. I, I, I think actually my favorite thing about the episode was I, I really liked the, the Summer Glau portion and yeah. her like bizarre netherworld. And I, I, I like the the way they kind of, they subtly indicate right off the bat that something's wrong with this careening camera work that just makes you feel kind of queasy the whole time. But not enough to tip their hand. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like y- exactly, it's, yeah. I did it, you, if you figured it out beforehand, then good for you. But uh, I, I didn't figure it out until she tried to light the guy on fire and it didn't work. <laughs> Yeah, I, I enjoy Summer Glau on this show. I think that's a fun character, and I like that they brought her back in this way. I think it's, it makes a lot of sense for Stenton Parrish to be using her in this way. And uh, I, I'm still not as interested in Hicks. Uh, so Hicks and Rosen on a revenge quest or whatever isn't very interesting to me, uh, as well as the should we torture people um, conversation that happens. Uh, I, I like I actually kind of like the approach... What we what we get from Nina, where she go, basically says yes, yes we should, uh, um, at least in her inaction she does, and uh, and so 
we'll, we'll see what happens in the finale. I think I think a lot of this is going to come down to whether they can execute a finale that is satisfying both in character and plot. And if they do, then I think this episode I will enjoy more um, retroactively than I maybe I do because I'm a little nervous about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and then finally we have Revolution, Soul Train, and uh, there wasn't actually a sword fight this week. There was instead a train heist. Well, there was a, there was a knife fight, sort of. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. Knife fight. Then, I, I guess that counts. Fight. Yeah. Uh, you we think? got yeah we got we got horses and a steam engine, so that's something. Um, I I really really enjoyed this episode. Actually, I thought it was a lot of fun, and 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 not in a not in a condescending way. Um, the I mean, we get some we get the very lucky background story for uh, Giancarlo Esposito. He's basically like straight up evil luck, which <laughs> is fine by me because, you know, Giancarlo Esposito can rock that. I wouldn't have expected them to develop him into such a palpable physical threat, which is really what they do with him this week. And mm-hmm. that's what, you know, a good performance and good editing, especially good sound editing will do. So, yeah, that totally worked for me. And I really, really should have seen the yes. reveal coming yes. of the militia guy being I his son. I felt like an idiot. But... Yeah. Yeah, I felt like an idiot too. But I and, was also uh, very disappointed because that means they're not going to kill him off anytime soon. And I'm really ready for that character to die. I did feel like by association that immediately made his character more interesting though. No. It just, it, for me, it just makes the contrast all the more stark. Uh, this is your father and your father is Giancarlo Esposito and he's amazing. And this is you. And you're and just you some sh- kid. You should not be on my show because this is not interesting. Yeah, fair enough. Although I do feel like um, uh, we uh, Charlie is still a hit and miss character. Her speech near the end of the episode was super grating, but um, but I actually thought she did fairly well in her scenes against Esposito, which is not easy to do. Yeah, she 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 was good, definitely. And uh, I like that we see Jeff Fahey. That was nice. Uh, I think that the the bomb thing made sense. That was cool. And uh, yeah, I, you know, if we get. I was watching this, and it felt very losty in its form as well. You know, the lock-like backstory, of course, helped with that. But also just the, the format of it uh, felt very losty. But it wasn't enough to distract. It, didn't, it wasn't enough of a lost feel for me to, to, to feel like the show was suffering by comparison. But it was more just kind of brought back a familiar and pleasant mm-hmm. vibe. Well, it's pulling some of the same tricks, but it's by design, it's much less convoluted. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it definitely feels like a different kind of experience, even though it's using... It, obviously, the flashback structure is very, very similar. And, and the presence of Jeff Fahey wasn't helping, I assume, I assume to, you know, not remind you. Yeah. But um, th- I, I th- there were a couple of things in the episode that bugged me, like Nora gets basically stabbed in the gut, and then later she's just okay, which seems weird. But apparently um, that's going to have effect next week. Oh, yeah? Okay. In, well, in, in, in the next week on, there's a... Okay, I, they I, address didn't, that. I didn't see yeah. that. There you go. Uh, that's good. Um, so that's one misgiving gone. The, the main thing that confuses me about revolution is that nobody likes it. Yeah, what is that was the main thing I wanted to talk about. How how does the internet approve Arrow, but not Revolution? Because I I feel like what happened with Revolution is everyone got hung up on the absurdities of the premise, which there are loads. And uh, you know, obviously, obviously the whole thing of yes, people also run on electricity. So how do people not work? Yeah, that's totally fair. Yes, point for everyone. But you know. But Once jump in and trust the, that maybe they yeah. will explain it, and at least they're not going to... They, they don't try to pretend that it's not really weird and doesn't make sense. I think that's the big thing for me. 
that you have yeah, a character I, I, saying this doesn't make sense and why does it not bother you i don't know i i feel like most sci-fi and most you know genre television is based on things that don't make sense if you scrutinize them too much i'm not sure why revolution's getting singled out for it yeah and if you the the way it works is you jump in with the premise that they give you and if you know i guess for some people i don't know why people just seem unwilling to do that to jump in with the premise as, you know i understand jumping in with the premise and then if they contradict it getting frustrated and leaving i totally get that but i don't get not that initial like why people aren't in, willing to get over that initial hurdle to to you know to go with this show because are you kidding me the hurdles they ask you to jump over on fringe yeah seriously yeah, so many but I, and um, I do think that there is a strong cast here and an interesting premise, and it's fun. Yeah, it's th this episode is maybe the most fun so far. I mean, we got a we got a steam engine and a and a and horses and knife fights and beatings and Giancarlo Esposito being a badass. Like, what more do you want, people? Yeah. Are you not entertained? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, hopefully it still remains one of the highest rated new shows. So somebody's watching it. Which is it. also confusing because nobody likes it. Yeah. I guess it's just the, those portions of the country that don't have internet, I guess, are the ones watching. Or at least the people who are okay with the show are not telling us. Because we have not heard from anybody who's liking yeah. Revolution. Oh, and I, I also really liked some bits of world building we got this this season, not just or this episode rather, not just with the arrival of a steam engine, but also we get a, a map of what used to be the United States, and we we see that there's other factions mm -hmm. happening, which uh, which was nice to see. And um, I also found out this week that I, I didn't realize that the guy who plays Monroe was also the Cape. Yeah, 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 uh, Sebastian, so. yeah. Uh, yeah. Good for him. It's a step up. <laughs> Definitely a step up. Um, so let's take a quick break here, listen to some music, and come back with our spotlight on Treme, The Greatest Love. That was, I don't precisely know how to credit this, but that was the part of the sequence from this week's Treme uh, of the Indian practice with, uh, of course, my, several of our, our lead characters, but I don't know who to credit with the music, uh, but it was a very... Well, let's, let's give it to Clark Peters. Clark Peters? Okay. Clark Peters as Big Chief Lambrow um, in Treme, and this is the episode is, of course, The Greatest Love. Um, this is the third episode of the season, and I know for a lot of people, Treme is um, a show that maybe is not as accessible as other shows that are on TV right now, but it's one that I absolutely love, and I really like this episode. Uh, what, for you, makes it spotlight-worthy? I feel like when people think about Treme who don't watch it, it probably has that association of cultural vegetables of, you know, this is something that I should be watching, but I don't really want to, and it's probably not much fun, and it looks depressing, and it's about New Orleans and Katrina and, and blah, 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 blah. But I think what this episode demonstrated very well, I think more than the other episodes so far, is just how warm and funny and inviting the show can be. Even though, you know, you're following so many characters and there's uh, so many plots going on, and yes, there's a lot of injustice and social commentary, this is still a David Simon show, you spend a lot of the episode just hanging out with characters, you know, just watching small moments in their lives. I mean, the entire David Morse story, this this episode is basically 
sad man does not want to does not want to take up room in a hotel because he doesn't enjoy he, he you know he's not comfortable with perks then learns to be okay with it and gets laid and it's hilarious like that's that's his entire plot line this this episode there's nothing politically charged about it there's no commentary there's no knotted plot line to figure out it's just guy gets laid and it rules <laughs> Yeah, there's so much in this episode that that's great, as well as uh, a few moments that, as the audience, uh, we've been waiting for. That's one of them, I think. I think it's just so hilarious the the, the just the timing of of how that works. But also, I would I would say our, our scene between Clark Peters and Candy Alexander, Ladonna and Big Chief. Those are two personalities having a conversation. And it yeah. was fabulous. Not to mention, finally, Ladonna's has her new home, and uh, and I think what this episode does better than the other episodes this season is that it really hones in on one plot line and one uh, thread, and gives that th- that single thread all of the narrative drive, and then surrounds the rest that that thread with the rest of the episode, um, with the rest of the characters, with a couple exceptions, um, who have just nice moments character moments and and uh you get to see like maybe a baby step in their progression but really this is episode is plot wise it's all about lp and his case Mm -hmm. um and yet the emotional core of this episode the highlight of this episode for me is that performance sequence that we get at ladonna's um and also the the, this beautiful sequence of of a few of the characters going to see waiting for godot and you get to see melissa leo just Oh man, destroy! Just destroy mm-hmm. you! Yeah, in her reaction. Uh, b- bizarre, but awesome cameo by Anthony Anderson as one of the actors. Loved All it. Right. So I'll great to it. yeah, absolutely bring him on the show. Seriously, why not? Why not have an actor on this on this show? You know, a, yeah. a, a actor character be on the show. You know. Well, it was just so great to see him do real acting after getting stuck in Guys with Kids. Holy crap. <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. Guys with Kids, Samuel Beckett. Waiting for Godot, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> That's versatility right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what What was your episode highlight? Uh, I, the Waiting for Godot sequence was great. Uh, we we got a, a, some shout-outs to the New Orleans metal scene, which is fantastic, and was I wasn't really expecting the obviously the David Morris thing was amazing and hilarious. You already mentioned the Candy Alexander Clark Peters scene, which was also great. Uh, I, I really liked, you know, to mirror Parenthood, we have you know a, a possibly terminal illness you know plot line here with Clark Peters and uh, the scenes with uh, Clark Peters and Rob Brown are are great. Not I, I, not too no not even one hint of manipulation, just very simple human interaction the way you'd expect. Uh, their sort of growing bond. Uh, their their evolved bond has been great to see. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 Treme is not really a show of big showy moments. It's more about small moments. Although we do, I mean, we do get some some punctu- a little more punctuation than usual. Um, but uh, yeah, those those things were all great. And we got no Sunny this week, which wasn't missed, frankly. No, he was not missed at all. As much as I do enjoy that the Vietnamese fam- family that he's hanging out with, particularly the dad. Did not miss him, and I think not just that one fewer character to have to follow. I think made a big difference in in the pacing. I feel like I'm preemptively sad for where the Davis Annie plotline is going. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Also, Jacques. Oh man, Jacques. Like, oh my heart Jacques. This week. Oh, I felt so bad for Jacques. I've been there, buddy. I've been there. Not well, not with you know Kim Dickens, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, yeah. I, I've been there, sir. Oh, oh, definitely, Jacques. definitely. The uh, just the 
you know, th- that this is what the show does so well. It's character. It's it's not even dialogue. It's just performance from from these actors, and it's it's so it's so well executed. And then of course we got to mention some of these other musical performances. I love the you know aside from the fact that Steve Zahn is great, I love the Davis character just because it allows sequences like the one we get this week where he's just like he goes in to talk to some guy at a music you know at a recording studio um who's in a session and then he's like who's that over there oh one of the great legends of new orleans, new orleans blues awesome let's watch him for a while you know it's right. great and it's the real guy and he's telling his real story because that's how the show rolls well and actually the the that that guy um i don't remember <laughs> course i'm terrible i don't remember his name i don't have it listed in front of me um but he he passed away this year not long after this was filmed not long after jazz fast um so yeah so what a great you know one of his last recordings probably was was this performance and what a great thing to have on film forever in theory yeah you know that this is that's one of the things that this show does it it shows you moments and it shows you performers that you wouldn't necessarily see uh who don't who ha- who don't break through to the mainstream the way that so much other music does it's you know contrasting the voice and treme every week is always <laughs> hilarious for me yeah but but i mean I, I don't know about you but that that indian rehearsal or practice that that we see i i felt like i was just sort of peering into something that was so so personal and so new orleans and something that you know outsiders don't really get to see and and so having that camera there i I just really appreciate that yeah i mean again treme is a show of unique pleasures and i i think i'm glad we got we spotlight it this week because i I feel like this this would almost be a good gateway episode yeah it's it's weird to say when it's it's one of their best i think it's one of the series best yeah, for sure. It, 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 yeah, l- lots of memorable moments. It's definitely one of their warmest episodes, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, it's it's a good look for them. Isn't it hilarious? One of their warmest episodes has the the largest narrative thread is police corruption and brutality. Yep, because <laughs> that's yeah, the kind that's, of show again, this is. That's how this show rolls. Yep, and yet the the best comedic moment is from a cop. <laughs> yes, and I have to give a shout out to Ernest Dickerson because he directed The Walking Dead this week and did a bang up job, and he directed this, and I, I love the sort of seventies conspiracy vibe we got to that final sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he did a fantastic job. Well, and speaking of that final sequence, I gotta mention I love how big of a douchebag Sophia's boyfriend is. She's like sixteen or something, and he's twenty seven, and so pretentious and such an idiot. Uh, yeah. And so I just love contrasting uh, the L.P. Everett, who it seems like he's, what, in his early 30s, late 20s, early 30s, something like that? Mm-hmm. So just like, you know, these people, these two aren't that far apart in age, but they're so far apart in maturity, it's not even funny. I, I, I love that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Sophia's improved. Yes, she's gotten better, definitely. And I think Finally. they're also using her more effectively, but yeah, yeah. definitely. So, so if you're not watching Treme, watch... Treme, <laughs> get HBO, get the DVDs, whatever, and and watch this show because it really deserves so much more uh, viewing and so much of a larger audience than the I think like maybe half a million it gets every week. Watch Treme. Yeah, I, I feel like half of the Televerse is us, you know, lobbying for shows that no one watches. But you know, that's, <laughs> that's how it goes. That's a very I suppose that's a very Treme thing to do. Let's do a few show notes here before we go to our DVD shelf with Kath Murphy. Um, 
it, the show is up on soundonsite.org. You can leave us a comment there. Let us know what you thought of this week's TV. If uh, if you caught Treme, what you think of the pilots, why I'm wrong for, for not understanding the whole Arrow-Revolution dichotomy that seems to be going on, at least online. Um, and maybe, I guess, what, what should our question of the week be? Um, hmm. Alpha's predictions, maybe? Uh, I'm not sure enough people watch Alpha's for that to work. Touche. Uh, um, so, I don't know. <laughs> Is it time to check in with people's uh, favorite new show? Sure, why not? So, what's the show that you're sticking with that uh, you're most enjoying of the of the new batch? Let us know what you think. Um, you can also reach us by email at theteleverse at gmail.com. And, of course, we're both on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse. You are? I am at Sucker Howell. And people... Rate or review us on iTunes. We would love it. Pretty please. It helps other people find our show, and we always love hearing feedback from you guys, so it would uh, very much be appreciated. Now we're going to take a break and listen to some music and a clip and come back with Cass Murphy from Slutty Lemon and Sound on Sight talking about the British comedy series The League of Gentlemen. Through here, Benjamin, please. Thank you, Auntie Val. Very uh, kind of you to let me stay. No, not at all, not at all. I was only saying to your... Uncle Harvey over breakfast. We don't see enough of your side of the family. <laughs> now, whilst you're staying with us, we want you to relax, come and go as you please, and treat this place just like your own home. Well, I am only staying one night. I know, I know. And I do have to meet Martin later. Absolutely. Oh. What is it? Well, it's just a little thing, but in this house, we do ask that you leave your shoes in the front porch. Oh. Who's that muddy footprints all over the lobby carpet? Oh, sorry. <laughs> That was me, sorry. Ah, Benjamin. It's just that in this house we leave our shoes in the front porch, underneath the barometer. Ah, yes, sorry about that. I was just explaining to Benjamin Harvey that whilst he's staying with us, we want him to relax and, and treat this place just like his own home. Of course, of course. Take your shoes off. <laughs> this way. Good. We thought he was. Not there. There. <laughs> left a bit. And the right one closer to the left. That'll do. We thought you'd be happiest down here on the sofa bed. You'll have your own shower and WC. Into which we don't pass solids. <laughs> and you won't have the girls running in and out every five minutes. Oh, well, that sounds great. Of course, I shall be inconvenienced as this room serves as my study, but I can stay late at the office. Oh, well, if there's any trouble... No! Then... It's fine. <laughs> Back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kolzik, joined as ever by Simon Howell. And this week at the DVD Shelf, we are excited to welcome Kath Murphy, one of our frequent con uh, contributors over at Sound Aside TV, to help us talk The League of Gentlemen, which is a uh, which is a British sort of sketch comedy uh, show from the early 2000s. Uh, I, is that the right way to, to describe it, Kath? Oh, and of course, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be here. Um, how would you describe it? It's, it's, yeah, it's a sketch show. I guess you call it a sketch show, but it's, it isn't a sketch show in the sense of something like Monty Python, 
which is just like unrelated sketches mm-hmm. if you know what i mean it's more it does actually have a kind of through story um the league of gentlemen the characters are all related to each other and they all come from the same place they all come from royston vasey which is a small town in the north of, of england somewhere so you have a kind of continuity mm-hmm. which perhaps you wouldn't you wouldn't get in in just a series of sketches well, this was definitely a show that that surprised me as I was watching it. I didn't. There are three seasons, of course, in the the British yeah. tradition. They each have six episodes, and there's also uh, a Christmas special and I, apparently a, a film and um, a yeah. couple different things. This was a, a, a radio show before it became a, That's a right. TV yeah. show. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's one of those things. It's it's one of those very British kind of shows where you know you have four men in who are the League of Gentlemen, and you know, most, half the time they're in drag and they're playing a bunch yeah. of different crazy characters. It's uh, very heightened, um, and of course, that kind of uh, you know, sketch shows just in in general tend to be somewhat hit and miss. And I, I tend to not be as interested in or find that particular brand of comedy as entertaining, but I was really pleasantly surprised as I got towards the end of of the first series to to see that they're actually, they started arcing these characters, these stock That's characters, right. in a way that yeah. I did not expect. And I ended up, the, the more kind of dark and twisted and sad the show yeah. got over the course of the first season, the more I really started to enjoy it. That's right, because you get invested in it in a weird way, don't you? Because you want to know what's going to happen to these people, even though they're they're your they're the, the stuff of nightmares. I mean, it has strong horror elements, really, mm-hmm. The League yep. of Gentlemen. And I think a couple of the writers, Jeremy Dyson and Mark Gattis, Mark Gattis actually writes Sherlock, so mm-hmm. he's quite, you know, he's, he's really, he's right up there now. He's, he's one of the the literati um, nowadays, but I mean, both of them went on to write ghost stories, I think, and write plays, which were pretty much, you know, supernatural. So that you can see that in the in the uh, in the series in the League of Gentlemen, the very strong horror elements. Lots of very unpleasant things happen to people. Well, I mean, you, I, I yeah. just, like the, the the clearest <laughs> example of that for me of both the horror elements, but also the 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 way that the end of the first season surprised me is uh, the Tubbs and Edward characters. Yeah. I did not find interesting or funny at all in the first couple okay. of episodes. But by the time you get to the yes. end of the season and and Tubbs has found out that other places do exist and there is a Swansea. <laughs> That's right, yeah. There is a Swansea. That's right. You lied was, to me, Edward. <laughs> I was astonished that I actually did start to enjoy those characters. And so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I look forward to being able to catch up with, with more of this in a way that I... I to be honest, I was a little uh, anxious about watching the first couple episodes. It was one of those, oh, I think <laughs> oh I don't God, like this show. I listened to a recommendation from a Brit and it's total rubbish. But, but, <laughs> and but, I'm going to yeah. have to pretend to like it. <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't do that. We've already crossed that no, bridge. you just hate it. Yeah, you just hate it anyway. I wondered. I did wonder how it would go down because it is really, really British. I mean, it, there's a lot of references there that I don't know if you would get. Particularly, well, but I mean, did you find you were like sitting there going, "What?" Some of the <laughs> well, time, or let's take this opportunity right. to ask Simon. I know you were a little hesitant as well upon watching like the first <laughs> episode or two. Where did you land with League of Gentlemen? Well, I think the 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 real difficulty for me with those early episodes is, I mean, in general, the the British strain of humor that suggests that everything is funnier when men wear women's clothing 
is sort of always a rough spot for me. So, and I and I do feel like the early episodes lean quite heavily on that sensibility, particularly with with of course our the the cab driver character. Don't you think they make very convincing women though? I think Reese Shearsmith in particular is brilliant at playing women. I think he's the he's the the slim dark guy. Right. Yeah. No. He 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 does. He's he's very good at that. He's but I good, I do yeah. think that well, basically what I did because I, I was rather time limited was I I watched a few early episodes and then I skipped ahead to the third season, right. which was quite disorienting, as <laughs> as you can imagine. Yeah. But I, I do feel like when when they drop the laugh track, and really, and and really dive into the darkness and yeah. the and the continuity because it, it it's immediately clear when you start that third season that it's much more continuity heavy and much yeah. more mood heavy, and I, I think that that suits them a lot better. I it is a show that based on what I've seen I find more interesting on an on a conceptual level than in terms of necessarily finding it hilarious all the time. I, I love the idea of sketch of ostensible sketch shows that do take place in a in a semi-consistent universe. I like the Mighty Boosh for the same reason. I've never watched it. We'll, we'll have to do Boosh another time. But yeah. um Boosh, sorry, it's fun to say. Anyway, um <laughs> yeah, just keep saying it. It's kind of cool. <laughs> but uh I I I definitely agree with Kate that it's after a rough start, I I did it I did feel as though the more serious it sounds weird but the more seriously it takes its characters over time the the more sort of my misgivings kind of fall away well that's right. something that i really noticed particularly you know as we got into you know more into the episodes and i think it's something that uh I can't decide because I've only seen part one episode from the third season when they didn't have the laugh track, and I, I enjoyed that episode a lot. But I can't decide if I think it would be this particular kind of humor that I enjoyed on the show is more successful with a, with like an audience or not because the 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 laugh track in the later episodes of this of the season the first series sorry I should say. Um, I'm assuming it's a live audience or, or something, but you could t- it's completely inappropriate laughter. It's clearly, I don't know how to react to how sad this is. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how they did it? Because I think they, they didn't film it. They actually filmed it in the village, so they couldn't have an audience when they filmed a lot of it. So it, was, you know, it wasn't filmed on a set. Oh, okay. And they had to, what they did then was they showed it to an audience and recorded the laughs. Oh, okay. That's and what they do for How I Met Your Mother now. It's because of the, they they have a similar inability to 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 do it live. Yeah, and I, I don't like laugh tracks. I don't like like being told when to laugh. Particularly, I can usually figure that one out for myself. You know, so <laughs> I do think it's actually one of the the things that is made the the early episodes particularly um, unsuccessful for me, or or less successful, yeah. perhaps I should say, because whenever you have, uh, you know, I, I find that I only really notice laugh tracks. When I disagree with them, <laughs> you yeah, know? that's right. When you're sitting there going, "What? That doesn't work." That that <laughs> wasn't else is funny. Rolling in the aisles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I guess yeah. so. Watching, um, I particularly enjoyed one of Gatiss's characters, um, the 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 former rocker, who just every time he oh, shows yeah. up, it just it's always his scenes always end just with this really sad melancholy, no laugh. Yeah. There's no yeah. joke in there at all, but the audience at some point just kind of is so uncomfortable watching such a, a, a yeah. truth, truthfully sad performance from Gatiss that yeah. that they just start laughing because they feel like they're supposed to. I don't know. So I got some meta enjoyment out of that. And I actually do think that these, these actors do a good job of 
of selling their characters and committing to them and not going for for the joke when maybe uh you know if in a live situation or you know maybe maybe other people would and i appreciated that which characters did you like the best let's see well I, i'm gonna start with the one that i like the least and i that's barbara i really have problems with barbara because <laughs> i think I, barbara's hilarious but yeah go on well i just i feel like too much it, it, it feels somewhat um mean-spirited to me I, I feel like they're laughing at it's like oh it's hilarious somebody's transsexual uh let's laugh about that instead of having making it a real character um and so maybe that's just me being hypercritical or hype overly pc but i i felt a little uncomfortable about that i definitely had the same reaction did you that's interesting because it to me that was completely okay interesting and, and i know it's a sort of cultural nuance you know i, I just thought it was the Barbara to explain is a taxi driver, um, and sh and he stroke she is undergoing treatment as is having a sex change, um, and and he is obviously a man. You never actually get to see his face, but he's he wears a dress with chest hair coming out of the top of it, and and it's really the reactions of his customers I think that that are funny more than than him. If you know what I mean, because he, he likes to, like his taxi driver, so he likes to talk and he explains about all his hormone treatments and how, you know, it, the changes in his body and how his nipples are like bullets and all the rest of it. And, you know, he goes to this particular dress shop because they know him, you know, they, they understand mm -hmm. his needs. Um, and it's just kind of so deadpan. And in the back, there's this guy sitting there writhing with discomfort. And you really laugh at his reaction, I think, of his complete inability to know what to say. It's interesting. That's, that's, what I, that's how I saw it anyway. Yeah, I, I, maybe what I am reacting to in, you know, in having trouble with that is um, the audience laughter. Because I feel like the, the laughter starts as soon as you see a necklace that says Barbara across like a neckline and there's chest hair. They, the audience starts laughing. Um, so I feel like they're laughing at the character and not with not at the characters who don't know how to react to Barbara. Because right. actually, when you think about the, the dialogue, the people of this town that, you know, we see, to, you know, take a cab, take Barbara's cab, um, just treat her completely normally because yeah, they know her. Yeah, that's right. And, they don't, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, every that's now and true. again, maybe there's a bit of TMI going on, but uh, yeah. it, when you actually think about what they say, so maybe what's bothering me is, I think I have some issues with the editing and what they're what the yeah, editing maybe. puts up there as a laugh. But maybe my bigger issue is the audience laugh track. So maybe if that yeah, laugh track possibly. wasn't there, it wouldn't bother me as much. Yeah, possibly. I think you know they just kind of. Pick, I think it's a very British thing, though, that you know we kind of pick on things that you really can't talk. You're not supposed to talk about. And one of the things you're not supposed to talk about is the fact that a lot of transvestites and transsexuals aren't very convincing. Mm. You know, they really. They, you know, I know. <laughs> I can. I can hear sharply indrawn breaths because you're not supposed to say it, but it's true, you know. And so it's like the the, the League of Gentlemen, the, those guys picked on something that we all kind of know, but never really want to say. And that's that we know that Barbara is a man, you know, and that he's not fooling anybody. So they kind of just get they get under your skin that way. And that the whole thing really is about is, is about playing with your your taboos, I think. That's how it worked for me anyway. And the more they did, they did it, the better I liked it. It's got that kind of uneasy quality. To, to move on from, from Barbara, I guess the, I, I did um, enjoy the escalation of, of the, uh, the aunt and uncle. 
that that oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a loose story about um someone coming to visit uh their their aunt and uncle and crash with them and then go hiking um with yeah. with one of his friends i i think i enjoyed the escalating rules and then the you know we have the creepy twins who end up being the cousins i think that yes. the way that ended up playing out was was probably one of my favorites that and just like the just the ridiculousness of the joke shop, I think, ended up working for me. I don't know, Simon. What which characters stood out to you? I have to say, when I when I went through the through the Wikipedia page, I noticed that they singled out a, a character that didn't actually show up in an episode that I watched, which was um, Papa Lazarou, who yeah. is uh, who is, from what I understand, quite a, a celebrated character in, in Britain. So I made sure to look up sort of the the scenes that that he appears in yeah. on. Uh, on on YouTube, and I have to say that's probably one of their most successful meldings of creepy and hilarious, because as I said before, I I think it's it's the it's the actually finding it's the actual humor connecting that doesn't always work for me with the show, but there I think they hit on something um, special. Let's just say. Well, do you yeah. want to give a brief? Because I assume this is a show that I had, I had never heard of, so I assume much of our audience may not be familiar with it. Uh, Simon, do you want to give a brief synopsis of who is Papa Lazarou? Right, so Papa Lazarou is a uh, circus operator who is in a f- strange form of blackface yes. and uh, essentially sort of walks around uh, collecting wives. That's right. I'm not really sure. Circus. Yeah, I'm not really yeah. sure how else to explain it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it kind of plays with our with our taboos because blackface is not something that we're really supposed to have anymore. If you know what I mean, but yeah, he he he's in blackface, um, and he he's a kind of yeah he's a sort of gypsy in a way. He um and he collect yeah he collects wives. He goes around to people's houses and um you know to housewives and knocks on the door, um and more or less forces his way in and then abducts them, <laughs> and uh, and and runs this circus which is is bizarre and, and consists of acts that absolutely nobody would ever really want to go and see. You know, everything in everything in Royston Basie is tawdry and a bit grimy and doesn't work right. I mean, it's the most depressing place in the world, really. And the circus kind of is a reflection of that, I think. I, I, I love the, just the sign when you, when you enter the town, Royston Basie, you'll never leave. You'll never leave. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what are your favourite characters, Kath? Oh, I love them all, but I like um, I like Herr Lip, the um, the German, mm-hmm. uh, the gay German who is is constantly trying to seduce young English boys by various <laughs> means, um, and and again it takes you know it starts off being he starts off being a, a fairly pathetic character, um, and then he kind of develops into something much much more sinister, and it all takes a twist that you're not really expecting and becomes really quite unpleasant, and and that that's the kick. You know mm-hmm. that it just takes it that step beyond what you're expecting into, into horror territory, um, and I also really like Mrs. Levinson um, and Iris, the cleaning lady, who have this kind of—it's almost like a soap opera. They have they, Mrs. Levinson is is a middle class woman who who thinks she's much better than she really is, and she's got a cleaning lady who um, is right at the other end of the social spectrum. Again, this is really British, but you, you recognize these people because Mrs. Levinson is always talking down to her cleaning lady and they have these kind of deeply charged conversations where, you know, they're both trying to get one over each other. And then it turns out that the, the, the cleaning lady is actually Mrs. Levinson's mother. So again, it kind of, 
you know, it sort of just pulls the rug out from under your feet, you know, and you're sort of sitting there going, what? Again, <laughs> it's brilliant. It works for me. I love yeah, it. Yeah, hidden relatives are kind of a favorite plot move of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. But it's like, you know, Days of Our Lives or something. It's got that sense of, you know, of, you know, of, of melodrama. It's just that these conversations are full of melodrama about, you know, anorexic daughters and, you know, husbands who are really dead and, you know, nobody's admitting it and stuff like that. It's it's kind of like Days of Our Lives crossed with deliverance. It's, yeah. Uh, it's genius. With a bit of drag thrown in. With yeah. a bit of drag. Yeah, lots of drag. Don't you do <laughs> drag in the States? Is it not allowed or something? Oh, no. It's no. just, it's just it's, it feels like... Um, uh, Guys in drag and uh, and naked male bottom are like the two go tos for British, uh, like yeah, stereotypically true. British comedy. <laughs> and we do get some, we do get some male ass in in, in this series as well. I feel we like do. those you got to yeah. take those two boxes off if you're going to, you know. And then we have there are some shows like I, I think this this feels reminiscent um, somewhat of Kids in the Hall. I feel like I feel like Kids in the Hall was probably influenced by the same stuff that this was. Yeah, because um, we it has you know some similar things. Of course, it's America, so nobody is uh, heaven forbids naked on kids in the hall. But there, there is some of that sensibility. <laughs> I feel uh, like is uh, is probably coming from a similar mm-hmm. place. I, I I think you mean Canada. Yes, American. It's still you're still on the same continent, dude. Yeah. What North? Okay. <laughs> Let's don't not get into one of those arguments yeah. about American Canada because. <laughs> Because I don't really understand it anyway. You know, to me, it's all just one big place over there, over the water. You know, <laughs> you're richer and more powerful than us, and yeah, you're over there. So, <laughs> well, yeah, we only it's, have. I think it, it's kind of there's a you know, it's the the British word rude. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, it's kind of very rude. We like we like our bums. That's true. We do. <laughs> <laughs> we we only have a few minutes left, I guess. Um, but. Uh, let let's say um, I guess uh, if we want to rank our favorite episodes or scenes or maybe rank the series as far as what we've seen of them and I'm unfortunately I haven't really seen any uh, I guess I haven't seen any season two so I, I can't really give too much of an opinion on that as well as any final thoughts maybe that you guys have Simon uh, well like I said I was I was time limited um, life screwed me in various ways but I I will say that I have a much much easier go of it in 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 series three when they drop the laugh track and accept the the dark tonality a little bit more okay kath how about you oh this too it's really hard to pick something out because i I like it all so much but um i think one of my favorite moments is when um you're talking about the dentons the toad the guy that breeds toads Mm -hmm. who's um who has has the weird family he has a wife who plays the cello and and these two very spooky twin daughters who are called something like radcliffe and mary i think um <laughs> who and, are best uh, friends with the scarecrow <laughs> that's right we're best friends with the scarecrow who's actually who's actually a real man tied been up in yeah. <laughs> yeah and they know and right. they don't tell anyone <laughs> no that's right they just take his hat off and hood off and he begs them to release him and, and they say no and then they put his hood back on uh, and oh. yeah it, but my, my favorite moment in the denton household um which is a kind of place where you know you go and stay with relatives and they have loads of rules and you you know you've got a special towel for drying your face and another towel for driving drying your feet and so on it's that kind of a house um and they actually they're plotting the dentons to keep they have a visitor and they're plotting to keep him there um so they want to convince the world that he's mad and so what they do is they um he comes down one morning um and they're both naked 
um, and they say that um, that it's their nude Monday um, and that he has to take his clothes off. So, of course, he does. And then they tell him to go and answer the door um, and the doctor's standing there and um, they then and then they appear with all their clothes on. And it's just one of those horrendously <laughs> embarrassing riding moments where this guy's standing there stark naked and everybody else is dressed. <laughs> and for some reason, because I'm very juvenile, I find that hilariously funny. So yeah, yeah. The uh, I look forward to catching more of season uh, series two for yeah. for that. You know, to see that yeah you know, continuation and that escalation. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I guess. Yeah. Oh man, like I the the little bit I saw of season three, I'm very interested in that based on the the fact that it seems to be more geared towards. A character and and um, a more in depth look, uh, you know, more more of a storyline as opposed to individual moments, which is what the much of the beginning of season one or series one that is particularly feels like. So yeah. I, I guess I would say I tend towards the the series three dynamic probably a little bit more than series one. I I I also got to see uh, some of the Christmas special, which I'm very yeah. intrigued to return turn to, and I think actually. But what my moment will be is something in the Christmas special that I just thought was so hilarious. Um, it's just a tiny thing in the background, but the um, the fact that they go, the one character goes to do line dancing, uh, and, and there's a there's a, a Confederate flag <laughs> in the background, <laughs> just kind of kills me. Just like there there's so many details like that in yeah. the dressing of the sets, and uh, it even just. Um, you know, when, when they, there's this uh, sort of cabal of women. Yes, that's right. We're trying to, um, yeah, so we're trying to control the men, I think, with voodoo dolls and stuff like that. And what the thing I like about the line dancing is that it's individual line dancing. Mm -hmm. It's solo and line dancing. you just dancing. accept it until you stop and think, wait a minute, <laughs> you can't do that. And, and what I love about the, the cabal of women is they're all in masks, but if you're paying attention, you can tell. Yeah, who, who all are. of these yeah. characters are. The one that's character right. has a pen, and so you know who that has to be. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, and so I, I love that by this point in the show, they had built up the the world and these characters enough that you could remove the face uh, right. and and I've, some elements of the voice and still know who all of these people are supposed to be. That's right. They've become real. I think Barbara might be one of the cabal, actually. By then, she's actually a woman. Mm -hmm. I think she goes through her who operation and, and successfully... Well, yeah. she she yeah she tells everybody exactly what happens in some detail. Um, yeah. So yes. Oh, Barbara. Yes. Well, uh, Kath, thank you so much for coming on to to introduce You're us welcome. to the League of Gentlemen, and You're I guess welcome. we should actually. So Jeremy Dyson, Mark Gatiss, who as we mentioned is currently writing on Sherlock and Doctor Who, um, Steve yeah. Pemberton, and Reese Shearsmith. Yes, there's been kind of rumours and um, and expectations that they might get together again. Mm -hmm. um, because it was, I know it only ran for three seasons, but it was really successful. Um, and it has a huge kind of cult fan base, you know, people that love it and would like to see it's a bit like Firefly or something like that. Mm -hmm. So um, every now and again, they, they kind of say, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll do something. And then they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they get hate mail. For the American battle, we don't get that very frequently. Mm. <laughs> they they run it into the ground until nobody wants anymore. Mm. Um, so thank you so much for coming on where You're can welcome. we where can our listeners find you online online well um i do i do a podcast um of my own called um slutty lemon 
um, <laughs> with my podcast partner Eve. It's very, very dirty. I've got to say, very rude. It's all about. I can't say it. I can't say what we talk about. But yeah, you can find us at <laughs> sluttylemon.com. <laughs> I, I am intrigued. Um, yeah, that, well, that's a good tease. Can, it is a good tease. Yeah, it's it's uh, truly naughty and, and and filthy, and we just talk about all the kinds of things that women aren't really supposed to talk about. A lot of sharing. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, and it, yeah, it's great fun. So yeah. the yeah, sluttylemon.com. If you want to have um, if you want to listen to something filthy and naughty. <laughs> And uh, yeah, basically, and I write reviews on um, on Sound on Site. I do Grim and I do Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, which are both and, great uh, shows. So much yeah. fun. Yeah. So, like I said, thank you so much for coming on, and thank You're you everybody welcome. for listening. We'll be back next week for another episode of Television.